Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash SLM and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com forward slash SLM and get started now. Radio. This is Brandon and Mountain Carl here in studio. Carl, how's it going? I'm loving life. How are you? Uh, it's pretty frigid and windy outside. Uh, what's yeah. that you're drinking over there? Oh my God. It's a, it's a yangling. Look at that. I'm showing it to, to Brandon right now for all of the people. That's the theater of the mind right now. I've got the yangling can in my hand and uh, brought it back from uh, beautiful Atlanta, Georgia. I had a uh, a friend who had a 18 wheeler and I had purchased a Trans Am and uh, we were, we were driving West back to Texas and uh, you know, halfway through while I was speeding, trying to outrun the cops uh, went ahead and stopped at a bar and wouldn't you know it? Sally field was there. Wow. Is that yeah. like right after that? That's when you had to shave off the mustache and get rid of the hat. That's exactly right. That's why you yeah. shaved the mustache. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Why well, I, I can't let, you know, I can't let Johnny Law you know, know who I am. <laughs> When's the last time you used that phrase? Oh my God. Johnny Law. All right. Never mind. <laughs> that's a that's a great film though. Yeah. That was uh for those of you who don't know, my life is identical to Smokey and the Bandit. So you're welcome. But uh yeah, no, I uh, I had a great I had a great week. Um, I got to experience getting a jury summons. Oh, so, yeah. Remember, I just did that recently. <laughs> that's right. You did. I, so I won the lottery, really. Um, I will do my civic duty. But uh, in doing so, I had to actually put it off because of the day they wanted me to serve was literally the day I had already bought a ticket like two months ago for a vacation. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. So it, they made it really seem easy. Is you know, log on to the website. That's simple enough. Wait till everything is done with your questionnaire. Simple enough. Mm-hmm. Select the date you'd like to move it to and click OK. Wow, it's really easy, right? I mean, yeah. what could go wrong? Um, only everything. So I went <laughs> and uh, I logged on to the website. And every single time that I tried to use this eJuror website um, that was... I don't know, made by like ass clown and company. I, I pressed the continue button, like it said, and it aired out, right? Like it always gave me an error. Mm. And so I was like, ah, you know what? It's not, a, is it my, my end, you know, speed testing and everything? No, it's not on my end. Totally fine. So I, I was like, okay, it's on their end. I'll wake up in the morning. I'll do it. Wake up in the morning, same thing. So I finally start clicking like a madman. And of course that, you know, frustrated idiocy that never is supposed to work on normal computers actually worked. So I was able to advance the screen 
slowly. I honestly thought I had dial up internet. I've never seen something move so slow in my freaking life. And I finally made it to the end after erroring, erroring out and then logging out and then logging back in and continuing like iterating a page at a time. I finally made it to the portion was like, congratulations, you've done your questionnaire. I was like, that's, that's nice. Uh, now choose a date to serve if you would like to postpone. I said, okay, I'll, I'll choose my date. So I choose, I, you know, I chose my date and I pressed uh, save and uh, nothing. I waited about five minutes and then eventually there was a nice long error that was absolutely uh, in garbled mess, you know, and eventually uh, after I did it three times, I'd already given my email, right? Mm-hmm. So like 15 minutes after I've struggled to go through this, I'm running late for work. I'm trying to get this crap done. My phone starts going nuts. It sends me all the confirmation emails of the exact same date and they've all been approved. Wouldn't you know? So I, uh, I, I did, I was able to finally postpone my date, uh, but not, it was in spite of the ridiculous crappy website that I had to deal with. Oh yeah. So yeah. Well, you know, a lot of these counties, they don't have the best servers for that kind of stuff. Um, they're all pretty slow. Uh, and as far as like who's administering it, sometimes that stuff's down and they don't even know about it for days. So not surprised. I believe that. Yeah, exactly. I believe that. But like at the same time, I mean, I'm, this is Dallas County, right? So I expect for them to, well, I don't expect for them to have money. They can't pay anybody, but still (laughs) I, uh, (laughs) but yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty ridiculous. So I definitely was banging my head against the wall on that one. Uh, oh, we yeah. went to uh, Pegasus City Brewery this last weekend. That's right. Yeah, uh, over there in the I guess that's considered the Arts District, right? Yeah, I yeah. think it's pretty. It's pretty close to the you know community and Pedicolas and everything like that. For all of you out of state and even out of city listeners, I apologize, but, uh, but yes, the Arts District of Dallas is where this place resides. It's pretty good. I mean, they they uh, pretty much you know, cordoned off only a little sliver of area for people who were visiting. Right. But like most of the people who were actually, uh, I'm sorry, most of the area that was actually there was just cans. Right. I mean, like it was like sky high cans, but, uh, but yeah, I mean like it could have fit more people. What do you think about the beer? Uh, the beer is great. Um, you know, you and I have talked about it before the artwork they have in the cans. I think we talked about this last time or the time before where, you didn't necessarily like the uh, texture of the cans because it's kind of like if you scratch your uh, fingernails on a chalkboard, I guess. But, uh, yeah, they had some really good, interesting ones, like a black and tan um, and then an easy porter and an imperial porter. And uh, that first one we had, what was that? It was like a brown ale. That was really good. It I was like brown the, ale, yeah. The glass that it comes in, too, it's a little bit more robust. But, uh, yeah, but we were there because it was uh, Mountain Girlfriend's birthday, so – Glad I was able to to join, and you had a lot of friends there that you know it was it was cool meeting them and seeing you know which one knew you know I think most of the people there knew you from your you know college days and your heydays yeah. of uh, you know the uh, wild and crazy Carl debauchery yeah crazy with a K right so that's right that's that's the <laughs> line that I've never used but I'm gonna co opt it for never there you go you're welcome to use it but Thank uh, you. yeah it was it was good times it was it was nice chatting with people and then I think some people were surprised that you even were you know coasting on a podcast and then there were some people that walked up that were like hey yeah anytime I'm on my my drive I 
listen to you guys and yeah, you guys are, are great and funny. And I'm like, well, what Brandon's to trying us. to tell everybody is that mountain Carl as a marketer is, <laughs> uh, is absolute shit. Right. So it's, uh, no, I, I'm not, I'm not very good at marketing the podcast in real life. I'm much better at doing that online by clicking the share button, well, which is also lazy as hell. Yeah. So. But here's the thing. I think, you know, the majority of people out there that listen to us, you know, I would maybe, maybe I'm assuming too much, but I think our age demographic is probably around our, our age. So we're talking right. like thirties and, you know, with every, with everything we've talked about with Nintendo and Z bots and <laughs> whatever else <laughs> in the past, you know, I think a lot of people are like, I don't know what these guys are talking about if they're older than us, but you know, I think we're entertaining in general, but I think most, uh, 30 somethings out there, uh, will understand that it's, it's hard to market yourself on top of working, you know, 50 plus hours, your day job a week. And the majority of people you're spending your time with is work buddies. And, you know, maybe that's not always the the best route of people you want to market to. So, you know, it's, it's a struggle sometimes. We're just, Hey, I'm, I'm happy that some people at work, you know, listen and, and that's great i mean sure, the, yeah. uh, it was kind of funny though um someone i work with was actually in a meeting that i was in and i was walking out and she was like it was a big meeting too right it was, it was like a like a giant conference room and uh yeah she goes oh yeah like i love your podcast and i will i'll, I'll be damned if not like 10 people turned around and looked straight at me and i was like <laughs> yeah like hell yeah but like again marketing opportunity lost i should have been like sensibly loud radio you know every tuesday now <laughs> so it's a bit yeah. of a weird feeling though whenever you're talking to somebody that you've never met before maybe it's like someone that you're like eh, i don't know about this person listening you know or whatever but it's interesting because it it allows people to kind of like peel back the layers of you know buttoned up business collared carl and then they're like oh this guy's funny if we've got a if we've got a small enough group of listeners that we can be choosy about who's listening to our podcast, then I don't know if we're doing such a good job. <laughs> nah, I I have no rules. I, I welcome anybody and everybody to listen to us. Um, some nights we might not make sense, and other nights we have well informed, uh, you know, observations and facts. So yeah, it's about a ninety ten split on that one. So anyway, speaking of facts, uh, I will say that. Uh, the new Fast and Furious movie yeah. is coming out. Can I just tell you what the ne- the name of the movie is? Yeah, go ahead. F9. Wow. Wow. Are you excited now? Man, I I really wish they had like a alt F4. <laughs> yeah, I was <laughs> I was I was just like I was trying to think of like a really like funny joke to make about like function nine on a keyboard yeah it's it's to refresh i had actually looked this up which is so fucking embarrassing but i actually i, I was f9 is to refresh like uh, a field oh okay so uh you're welcome for the worst setup joke of all time uh yeah that's well, it well i, I know mean, the f5 is like to refresh your screen uh I think in some applications it's it's used F nine is to use uh as, as kind of like a screenshot functionality and then F twelve definitely is a screenshot. So yeah. Uh we'll be there in no time, right? Like two years we'll we'll reach Fast and Furious twelve. Oh, if only. F twelve, baby. 
It's it, they said F nine the Fast and Furious saga, which if you call your own movies a saga, then I guess you're just dunking on everything else, right? Yeah. Did you watch the last Fast and Furious film? Is it the one with Charlize Theron? Yep. I watch. I think I watched like half of it or something and then i don't know what the hell happened like maybe i did like fall asleep or something I, I don't know what happened but i i remember that i had watched it enough to gain my interest and then completely botched so not like mountain girlfriend with kiss kiss bang bang where she was like very enthralled with the movie for like 30 minutes and then she was immediately asleep so shame on her well it's it's different I think she she knew that she wasn't going to last, and she tried it anyways. And end of the day, and you know, it happens. But yeah, uh, Fast Eight, I believe, was the one with the the submarine, and oh my god, the the amount of scenes of CGI, and it it is a different kind of CGI. It wasn't like your Michael Bay CGI. This was like the CGI where it's like you know a, a gun goes off, and you see the it's almost like a, a Zack Snyder CGI. So it's like a, a, you know, guns going off and you see the shell casing fall and hit the ground and the, the car runs it over and it's, it, it's just clear CGI. Everything um, is like kind CGI. of almost sepia tone, but not actually. And then, yeah, no, I'm, just, it, I'm just kidding. Like yeah. they're just getting away from what's making it great. And it's funny because all those, uh, cry baby actors, uh, and it's mostly the actors. I don't, I think the women are just wanting more money. Um, which, you know, it should be equal around the board because that's an ensemble ca- cast. But the, uh, you know, the actors, uh, certain ones like, you know, Tyrese, you know, was yeah, like right he, it's hot take of the day. Yeah, you, like you're right. I mean, like, but, is Tyrese really worth as much as like Gal Gadot? <laughs> no, no, no. And he's not going to get his own <laughs> spinoff film. Oh, but wouldn't that be great, though, if it was like Hobbs and Shaw and like Hobbs and Shaw two? Tyrese is also here. <laughs> yeah, like that would be a great. That'd be a great movie, I think. Yeah. Well, he was talking a lot of crap about Hobbs and Shaw when that came out. Of course he is, because he didn't get a payday from it. Yep. But I thought that film did all right. It was like, you know, popcorn filler type thing. But, you know, it, it definitely was better than Fast 8. So, yeah, we'll see what little F9 is going to do. Oh, little little F9. <laughs> Speaking of Michael Bay, um, one of my favorite directors of all time for all the wrong reasons. Uh, he will not be attached to another Transformers movie because at some point Hasbro learned their lesson. Uh, but there is, there's more Transformers down the pipe, right? I mean, this is what we're finding out right now is that if you like robots in disguise, like if I got a movie cycle for you. Mm, I prefer, well, okay. So yeah, it, it's, it's you obviously prefer robots it's be, not in disguise. Uh, I prefer aliens in disguise, but um you know, well, robots in the skies. We got Terminator and all that stuff, which you know, I I finally got around to watching Terminator Dark Fate the other night, and it was pretty decent. You know, it was okay, but it was you know kind of forgetful at the same time. So that sucks. But yeah, Transformers, of course, it it makes money, and I think they hinted at it with the last Transformers or the one before that with the whole Beast Wars thing. So you're familiar with, uh, like me, uh, growing up listening, or not listening, but watching like the Transformer cartoon series. Did you watch Beast Wars? It was a CGI series. Oh, that yeah, came on? absolutely. I, for a second there, I thought you were going to call me out like, hey, Carl, you're a nerd. Um, no, I, I, well, I did. <laughs> we're, we're doing this nerdy podcast, so what do yeah, you Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, you're a nerd. Yeah, do this podcast with me. Down as we speak. 
but uh but yeah no so, so that's it's uh beast wars is the one of the movies they're talking about coming out with right so the other one is i guess a direct sequel to the bumblebee movie okay um, so i don't know how they typically do this i don't know how they're going to divide it up but the bumblebee movie i recently watched and i actually did not hate that movie where michael bay's transformers kind of made my teeth itch a little bit like mm-hmm. the first one i thought was kind of cool like oh wow i'm gonna see all my favorite cartoon characters on the big screen yeah and, and after that i was kind of like wow this is, is so upsetting like all of it is so upsetting and then i saw devastator's balls so <laughs> can't uh I'll never get away from that. Like it, it just exists. But yeah, Beast Wars, Beast Wars was a really interesting kind of TV show. I mean, did you ever watch it? Yeah, uh, I watched it as a kid. Uh, I, I'm trying to place like what year that was. It was like it was late like 90s, 94 or something. Yeah, something like that. And yeah. you know, this was the time like right after reboot the TV series came out, and so there was like right. a. a plethora of different cgi shows coming out but i thought beast wars was phenomenal i thought the voice acting everything in it was great it definitely held my attention yeah the it was it was definitely reboot era where like if you ever go back and you watch reboot and you're like man like do you remember that old cgi cartoon i used to watch it is difficult it is difficult to watch that cartoon not because people suck at acting or anything like that but just like the cgi itself is uh it looks like a commodore 64 demo <laughs> like it, it's it's pretty yeah. it's like that bouncing ball it you didn't know? date like, well yeah yeah it did it did not age well so anyway it's all it's all kind of like very very uh i don't know it's like very rigid like shapes and like mm-hmm. all the acting it's like half the characters don't even move their mouth when they speak you're just kind of like yeah okay like i guess i get it but the uh beast wars did a good job with the technology at the time they actually stretched it pretty good and if for those of you who don't know um i will now nerd on you it's uh instead of the autobots and the decepticons it is the maximals and the predacons respectively yeah because why would you have a autobot right when uh nothing is automotive related yep so i guess they crushed it on the writing there um uh, now it's 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 a kind of a fun uh show the whole thing is that instead of landing in a time where you could turn you know change into a camaro or an 18 wheeler you would turn into animals because that's pretty much all that were available to them and uh you had random things like optimus primal right and haha instead of optimus prime um so yeah optimus prime was like a giant ape and then you had our gorilla or whatever. I suck at that. Um, and then, uh, what was it? There was like a cheetah. There was a, was a like yeah. a rat or something. Cheetor. And then, yeah, there was like a rat. And then there was like a dinosaur, uh, right? Yeah. The dinosaur. Yeah. So it was yeah. so the T-Rex was. Megatron. I think I had a toy of that. Yeah. That's pretty bitching. I probably so, still do somewhere. <laughs> if I do say so myself. So yeah, it's it's kind of weird. Like what a weird place to be in for this franchise, right? Like you kind of made a spinoff like four movies too late. And then it was the only good one, Hmm. you know, and everybody else is kind of like, okay, like, I I guess I'm interested again in what you have. 
Yeah, Bumblebee. Yeah. yeah. So you like have your audience already. Yeah. Because I've, everybody's already left theaters. I heard that was good. And uh, who was it? Haley Steinfeld? Was that? Yeah, Haley yeah. Steinfeld. And I yeah. heard she was pretty decent in it. So, uh, you know, uh, I think there there's definitely a, a right way that you can do those films and, ha- and where they if that uh, that franchise had been done correctly and Michael Bay wasn't involved, you know, I think a lot of us uh, that grew up with watching Transformers would have adored it or would have maybe not like fully adored it, but would have, you know, enjoyed it. Yeah. I did. You ever watch the original animated film? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the voice talent and that thing, like when it came oh, out, yeah, like yeah. The, the music that was involved. I'm going to, I'm going to look that up because I'm going to butcher it if I don't, but, uh, hold on one second. Yeah. I had, I think a lot of that, like the cartoon series, uh, started in the late eighties. It was kind of like the, around the same time as like GI Joe. Um, so yeah, I had a lot of like hand-me-down toys from my older cousin and, uh, yeah. Oh yeah. The old, the old toys were so freaking cool. Like when I was a kid. But yeah, no, this is, uh, yeah, I just, I just looked up the, the, the actual movie came out in 1986, which I should have known that, but, um, it had all the original voices, but then it had like some insane, uh, voice talent, um, trying to find some of them. I don't know why they're not showing up right away. Um, anyway, well, Leonard Nimoy was in there. Uh, ah. he was great. Uh, Orson Welles was Unicron. <laughs> Uh, yeah, because why not? Why not? Um, and then there was like a big deal when, uh, spoiler alert, Optimus Prime dies. Right, uh, right. That was a huge deal. Like if you, because as a kid, like you went to go see Optimus Prime kick ass, right? So when that happened, it was it was honestly like I get punched in the balls. Yeah, it was kind of like what Marvel did with, uh, you know, somewhat killing off half of uh, the Avengers and all that. Right. Like at the very end, I was just like, how could they, Oh, they got to fix it somehow. Okay. Yeah. Well, they didn't fix it in, uh, in the animated movie. Sorry. They, uh, they just kind of press on on the, in the big war, but, uh, they had, a what was it? Well, it was a big deal because one of the, one of the transformers like curses, (laughs) I think he says like shit or damn or something. I don't know. Um, I mean, with the amount that I curse now, it kind of fails in comparison, but uh, this is an expletive riddled podcast today because oh, today. we're talking about transformers. Yeah. Just, always. Just I'm today. Okay. Yes. Today. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, <laughs> but no, it was, it was a actual, I mean, as far as if you're into eighties animated movies, it was definitely not heavy metal. Right. So, right. Yeah. Uh, which is absolutely batshit bonkers. If you've ever seen that, mm-hmm. this is just basically a bunch of like Van Halen and weird Al Yankovic you know, soundtrack and then a bunch of robots clanking and beating the crap out of each other. <laughs> um, you know, it's, I don't know. It's super fun when you're a kid, when you're an adult, you're don't, don't sit down and expect, you know, like Manchurian candidate. So, yeah. Right. But, uh, but yeah, no, it was, it was a lot of fun. Anyway, there are a couple coming down the pipe. Um, what else is going on? Uh, well, <clears throat> Apparently, uh, people like to steal cards and sporks from Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine just like being in a theme park and being, it's kind of like when you're like, when you're a high schooler at Chili's, you know, <laughs> oh God, I got to steal that skillets, you know, or, handle thing. Or, right? or, you know what else? Waterburger. What? what? Oh yeah. The signs that are the numbers, yep. right? Yep. 
Uh, we yeah. have one in the house, actually. Perfect. For the record, everyone, we're not endorsing being a kleptomaniac, but we are endorsing uh, apparently how cool these sporks are at uh, Galaxy's Edge. Like, have you seen these things? Yeah, yeah, they look pretty cool, but I feel like anybody with a 3D printer and a little bit of uh, knowledge of engineering could probably make their own and turn around and sell those, and people wouldn't know the difference. Probably not, but uh, I'm hoping that they're actually made out of metal and some, you know, guy, you know, is trying to, like, machine these, like, bespoke sporks out of every single, you know, little billet of metal. Right, And, yeah. and like, people are just pocketing them. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But yeah, no, the, uh, the, the, I mean, you don't talk about like, you know, just like some dude stealing the, uh, the like insulator thing from Chili's off the skillet. Yep. Right. Like putting it on like the shift knob of his, you know, truck or whatever. But yeah, anyway, um, that's, mm. that Sounds was like my a high true story. No, uh, it's, it's it, well, I mean, I can't vouch for it, but I can say that it did happen. Okay. Um, no, it was, I can't, like I said, I'm not condoning stealing things from Chili's or whatever. I am saying that uh, the spork may actually be worth theft. So <laughs> just keep that in mind. Uh, now there, there are some really weird things. Uh, like, I, I didn't know anything about Gal- Galaxy's Edge. Have you looked into this at all? Yeah, uh, I've looked into, you know, the, the tour that you go on and just how amazing it looks, detailed. And, you know, it's definitely something that I think I would wait uh, at least another year just to make sure like they get things right and you know get like the bugs out yeah it's kind of like that that thing with you know video games for example like you like for me if I'm really excited about a PC game you know I'm really looking forward to playing it but I'm probably going to wait realistically two or three months after it comes out just so the bugs are out so uh you know I I'll, I definitely want to see like the best product and then not go at the the first year and then what they do because it is Disney. They try to suck you back and be like, Oh, now we've added this and we've added Han Solo's toilet, you know, or whatever. And you're like, that sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not Han Solo's, uh, maybe like Chewbacca's toilet. Oh my God. <laughs> Jabba the Hutt's toilet. Yeah. It's got, um, it's got like is, warmers and massagers. In it. I was going to say, it's like literally just a giant funnel. <laughs> a giant, um, <laughs> it's a sarlacc pit. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably not bad. Like, it's a good take. Um, no, it's. It, are you LARPing if you go to Galaxy's Edge and you dress up? Like, is that like considered no, LARPing at I, that point? I don't think you're LARPing. I think it's it's the equivalent to me, uh, like going to a concert of your favorite band and wearing their shirt. And, you know, so some people, I guess, could call you out on that. Um, like, me, for example, I'm not going to like go see my favorite band and wear a shirt of theirs unless it's like you know an old tour shirt just to kind of show off be like yeah what's up i was at that tour 20 years ago what now and people are like get all jealous because it's their first concert or their first time seeing this band so you know like uh like for example uh i have uh my friend uh amy who hopefully we will be interviewing here in the next uh in the the coming weeks but i'll get into that here in a second but she is uh one of my friends that i grew up with who is into designing her own um you know styled uh costumes and 
yeah. You know, I was going to say body modification, but yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so yeah, in terms of she's dressed up as Han Solo, she's had all kinds of different, you know, and have like a female type of Han Solo thing, but to be everything... fair in October, what girl hasn't? Well, but... yeah, <laughs> but, but it's all, you know, custom design. Um, and so it, you know, I've seen her do all sorts of different things at events and I wouldn't be surprised if she did at this event, but it's, it's one thing to like, you know, I guess it, it comparing like, uh, you know, coming up with your own cosplay, uh, and designing it yourself and spending all this time and, and hours and, and effort and, and quality of material versus getting a costume from say party central or not party central, but you know, oh, it's I, a party I, city. Party uh, Central would be a great band, like yeah. to have at a bar mitzvah or something. So yeah, but, I don't know if it's an actual place though. Party Central, uh, yeah. So it'd be different compared to like getting like a thirty dollar costume at Party City. I think no, I can appreciate that. Like, I'd probably make fun of somebody if I saw someone my age walk around in like a a discounted. I mean, let's face it, J Mac would probably do that, right? He'd walk around some <laughs> some discounted costume and he'll just be like, "What are you gonna do, man? What are you gonna do?" Uh, I, like, I like that you're like you're at a front to every like serious nerd there that's taking time to do that. You're like walking around being like, "What nerd? Ooh, a spork!" And you're like popping it real quick. <laughs> oh, this is an authentic spork. This is a real deal. <laughs> so, uh, in and not to get too far off the rails, but yeah. Uh, so I have been invited. Uh, my friend Amy is on this new show on Fox called Lego Masters. Uh, her and her friend Crystal have been selected to be. Uh, basically team members are they're, they're I guess essentially contestants on this show Lego Masters is really gained popularity in uh, Australia and the UK so very much in the same vein as like the voice or a lot of those other shows uh, is now coming to America and is being filmed in LA and I saw Amy on a commercial uh, during I think a couple of football games and during Thanksgiving and I was at a friend's house for Thanksgiving sort of marathon of food and looked over and saw a commercial and I was like wait is that Amy and uh, sure enough it was her so we've been talking a little bit about it uh, a little bit more so recently because of course she's in an uh, in NDA and they just uh, finished wrapping I think uh, filming the series here recently so they're doing a watch party of the show uh, next Wednesday February 5th uh, that's going to be in North Texas. And so I'm going to go to it. Uh, I believe, uh, I have tickets to bring you and mountain girlfriend as well. So oh, wow. we're going to have a lot of, uh, fun there. And I have been, uh, communicating back and forth with the PR team at Fox and Lego, and we're moving forward to do an interview. So I just need to touch base with them. I'm really kind of hearing, uh, waiting to hear more information in terms of, finalizing um some details to that way we can uh you know plan out and and schedule uh when this is gonna this interview is gonna take place i don't believe it's gonna happen during the watch party and i'm kind of hoping that it doesn't because there's gonna be a lot of background noise so hopefully it'll be like where we can go to a place of our choosing and uh you and i will i think we'll have a lot of fun i mean like i said i've known amy uh, most of my life since I was a kid, um, you know, I think we met in church, you know, Sunday school and all that. So it's kind of funny flash forward where, you know, I don't think that church is even there anymore. Uh, and just to see how far she's come in her life and, and pursuing what she loves to do, uh, which is engineering and, um, anything to do with technology. Um, she's got so many different moving parts and just is multifaceted with, uh, 
with everything, but, you know, just to see how successful she's become. Because uh, she was that little girl that played with Legos as a kid. So uh, I know that this this definitely means a lot to her. And, and I'm looking forward to the show. It looks really cool just based off the commercials with Will Arnett hosting, you know, and uh, who was Lego Batman. So right. I think it's going to be entertaining. Um, so I definitely... Who doesn't like Legos? This is going to be awesome. Yeah, it's going to be great. And this is right up our alley in terms of us being nerds. So it's just kind of like icing on top that, you know, I actually have a friendship with her and you know, I haven't met her friend Crystal yet, but I think we'll have a lot of fun and, and this would be really special for us being part of it. So definitely looking forward to that. So stay tuned uh, listeners for more information coming out about that. We'll post about it uh, and then uh, come out with our interview as well as talk about, you know, our experience at the watch party here in the next coming weeks. Awesome. Well, yeah, I'm uh, I'm very excited for that. I'm glad that you're able to to work on setting that up, and I'm very very pumped to be. I mean, hopefully, I, I do get to go to that watch party because that would be amazing. So, I'm going to change gears here, but before I do, Richard Gear, I'm going to change <laughs> Richard Gear here. Okay, and that's so bad, so tough. I know. <laughs> I'm just I'm saying gonna, whatever comes to mind now. No, that's that's what you should do. Yeah. This podcast is now officially named Word Vomit. Uh, <laughs> it's not. It's not though. Please don't change it. That's a terrible name. So, uh, just before we bounce away from Galaxy's Edge, I want to drop this one little kernel of knowledge on everybody. Uh, for those of you who hate spending twenty five thousand dollars on things like a car or education or uh, really anything meaningful, you can buy a life-sized R2-D2 droid. Ooh. Ooh. Apparently, it's remote control and customizable. If it wasn't remote control or customizable, would it really be worth twenty-five grand? I mean, I think the answer is pretty much no on that. I would hope with it being customizable and, and twenty-five grand, that it's got the ability to where R2, his head opens up, and you can dump whatever's in it, like a trash can and it closes and then acts as an incinerator. And so I think that would be, that'd be something I would use. Why didn't they, why didn't they like just focus group us? That would have been badass. Yeah. It's dangerous as hell, but I like it. I mean, like <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say like, no, I want him to be able to fly around, you know, like in the prequels or whatever. Oh yeah. But no, instead you wanted him to be like a very efficient and environmentally sound trash can. that could also move around and beep boop. Yeah. Wow, okay. Wow. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> uh, you know what's also relevant? Just kidding. Emilio Estevez. Yeah. So, yeah, I just, I have to, yeah, it was right in the middle of your swig of water. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, I, the reason I bring up Emilio Estevez is has nothing to do with Star Wars, but it has everything to do with Disney Plus. And the fact that Emilio Estevez will indeed be appearing in a mighty ducks tv series yeah i am uh i'm way more excited than i should be mm -hmm. about this uh i how many mighty ducks movies were there like 14 <clears throat> i i lost count after three uh yeah the third one's probably the last one i watched i was actually looking i at... think he was only involved in those three so i don't count the other ones that's like trying to count the Home Alone's after Home Alone 2. Like Airbud after Airbud. <laughs> what are you going to do? 
God. I mean, seriously. That's like, oh, that's uh, a great one. I wonder how many Air Buds there are. Not dogs, movies. I want to be clear about that. Yeah, I'm not going to uh, watch those. You're not going to do that? You don't want to do like a back-to-back marathon of Air Bud movies? Uh, maybe if a drinking game was involved, that, that might change my mind. So did you ever see the movie Loaded Weapon 1? The the actual, it was um Leslie Nielsen? No, 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 no. So it was it was Emilio Estevez. So it was a national Oh, movie. it was yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. They made fun of Lethal Weapon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it had Samuel L. Jackson in it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um listen listen to this ca- this cast. Just like when the hell did this movie come out? I I I used to own it and it got stolen from me because whoever stole it had incredible taste. Sam B. Um yeah, probably. 1987, right? So Emilio Estevez, um, a.k.a. Emilio Binge Prestevez, <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson, John Lovitz. Oh, oh John yeah. Lovitz. John Lovitz. Tim Curry, right? Kathy Ireland. Wow. Uh, William Shatner. Oh, my God. Yeah. So uh, this is, oh, Joyce Brothers, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> As the coroner, do you know how long it's been since I've seen this? But I don't remember shit about. I don't movie. either. I think I rented it when I was a kid. Yeah, no, that's exactly the kind of uh, amount of time that you should spend on that. But yeah, that was. I was just looking through Emilio Estevez's uh, Estevez's as 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 his uh, you know history, his film history here, and since two thousand, it's been kind of sparse. Yeah, like he last last movie he was in apparently was called the public. I don't know what the hell that is. Hmm. Um, abominable Christmas, a TV short was before that dear Dracula. Thank God that exists. Um, the way has nothing to do with the Mandalorian. So it's dumb. Uh, two and a half men. I could have called that. That was back in 2008. Um, and an episode called the devil's lube. So, (laughs) There you go. Uh, there's otherwise Emilio known as Tabasco sauce. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, that's just, I, top ten things I'll never try. So, um, yeah. Uh, how do you feel about Mighty Ducks? Was that was that a a significant staple to your childhood? I can't believe you didn't want to rest on the whole lube joke, but nope. that's fine. No, nope. um, moving on. <laughs> So yeah, the Mighty Ducks one and two were big deals in my childhood. Yep, agreed. They they stuck out to me in in, in a big way, um, especially the first one that had me hooked. You know, I oh mean, yeah. I, I think I walked around everywhere like just starting quack chants like in the back. You know, yeah. hey, just, do yeah. the flying V. Yeah, I could do the flying V <laughs> if I. It'd be, it'd be like a funeral and I'd be in the back on quack, quack, quack. No, mm-hmm. is that too much? All right, that's fine. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yes, Emilio Estevez, may he live forever and be in more devil's lube shows. <laughs> these were, uh, these were movies that, you know, like I would probably throw up there with, uh, uh, you know, honey, I shrunk the kids and, Home Alone and, you know, these films that I, I, you know, especially the first two when they came out, I, well, I think I even saw the third one in theater, but the first two, I think I was just 
I had heard so many good things about the first one that I went and saw it with my older sister. And uh, these were the movies that, you know, this is, I think the first one came out in 93, 92, something like that. Uh, And that was around the same time or just before the Dallas Stars uh, had, had basically, their franchise was the Minnesota North Stars and relocated down to Dallas in 93. And so this movie kind of coincided with that. And man, I hockey is still my favorite sport to this day. So I think this pick. movie had a big uh, sort of uh, influence on me with hockey. And you know, of course, I I played a little, well, tried to play some street hockey with friends, but never really got into uh, you know ice skating all that well. But yeah, uh, these are these are great films, and I think this is going to be uh, this is definitely a great move for Emilio um, getting back to that and. Who knows? Maybe it'll open up some uh, opportunities getting back in the film. That would be nice. Um, you know who is also into inline skating and hockey, like street hockey? No, tell me. Sambino. No, I wasn't. It wasn't gonna be. That wasn't the. Okay. That wasn't the okay. thing. I was. Okay. That wasn't the setup. Don't worry. You were looking at me like, God, don't do it. <laughs> don't. So Sambino was, huh? Yeah. No, trust me. I'll do something much worse for our sponsor. Oh, that's. Um, <laughs> So yeah, no, yeah. Sambino was into street hockey. Yeah. Oh, cool. And, and so now you know. No, th- that was. Oh God, I feel like I just the broke, more you broke know. You. <laughs> do do do. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was. <laughs> I, I guess like the way I looked at it was always kind of like a little giants and and mean green. Was oh yeah. Like for for kids, you know. That's that's a this, better analogy. This was like yeah. for uh, for kind of like uh teenagers. Yeah. Right. Like it, it was, it was those like, uh, like early teenage kids that had already, you know, the, I mean, obviously they probably, I think those were made after them, but the, uh, that, that kind of movie, you know, like there, I don't know if there were a whole lot of just teenager sports movies at the time. Right. And so I really captured a good demographic at that point. Um, but yeah. Uh, do you know who wasn't in an episode called devil's lube? No. Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash SLM and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Oh man. So what else is going on? You 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 pick the next sure of all of all these things that we have to choose from. Yeah. What's so uh, there's some news that came down the pike that Nick uh, Pizzolatto, which is basically the guy who's responsible for True Detective, uh, is uh, reuniting with Matthew McConaughey, which was in True Detective Season 1. So and McConaughey has served as executive producer on True Detective ever since, uh, even going in through Season 3. I think he's going to remain on board. But they're going to work together because McConaughey definitely wants to act in another project uh, with Nick. And so this project is called Redeemer. Um, this is going to be on FX, which I love everything that FX has done over the last decade uh, from – the bridge to Americans. I mean, we've talked about it ad nauseum uh, in the past on this show, but you know, it, it's one of the channels that has really um, produced some uh, really great writing and and just everything uh, Fargo. You know, everything that that I can think of is just there's a lot of depth to it. So Redeemer is going to center on a former minister turned dissolute security guard, which is played by McConaughey, who's 
who must confront his past while searching for a missing woman in Texas, of course, that leads him to a dangerous criminal conspiracy. So it's based on a Patrick Coleman's debut mo- uh, novel, The Churchgoer, which was published uh, just last year. So, uh, yeah, McConaughey is basically starring as a troubled individual, squares off against some violent criminals, and is reminiscent of the work of True Detective. So I think it's great that he's uh, collaborating with Nick on this, and Nick is uh, an excellent writer. Uh, so as far as, like, ad- adaptation to the screen, and again, you know, seeing McConaughey in sort of a detective-type role where he's unraveling some cr- criminal conspiracy, and it's in the backwoods of Texas, I mean, who doesn't want that? So yeah, Matthew McConaughey in general is pretty much a utility player at this point. Like there's not a whole lot he can't do well, uh, which is kind of ridiculous because when we had our whole conversation about good actors with Southern accents, right? Uh, I I think he was like number two or number one on our list. But I mean, that list is incredibly short. So uh, you know where he also played a preacher? Uh, no. Pretty sure it was Contact. Mm. Do you remember that movie? Yeah. I don't remember his role very well, but oh, he I was, think you're right. Yeah, it was, so it was, um, good lord. Now I'm like, okay, sorry. Yeah, it was Jodie Foster. So Jodie Foster was mm-hmm. the, uh, I think she was the scientist's daughter or something. He was also a scientist. Yeah, they worked at like SETI, that. the people that, Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, they, they, some, I can't remember the whole damn plot of the movie. It was very strange to begin with. But uh, bottom line is Jodie Foster was the scientific mind. And Matthew McConaughey, I believe, was the preacher who had like the kind of more spiritual. Mm-hmm. take on stuff and then they kind of combined their wills to manifest this giant machine that transported her to another area to meet life on another planet it's a very weird movie yeah absolutely yeah but, that uh, that's one i haven't seen in a long time um i need to rewatch. but yeah definitely looking forward to that um final thing we have on our docket here and I thought this was really in- well. This actually, we have a few things left on our docket, but uh, actress Carrie Dealer's Mulligan. choice. Yeah. yeah, actress Carrie Mulligan, who uh, a lot of people remember, she was the um, the female lead in Drive, and she's been in a lot of other great films in the past um, few years alone. And uh, she is basically talking. She was talking in the press uh, with a. Uh, recent magazine uh, asked about this year's Academy Awards and which, uh, you know, once again nominated five men for best director category, despite a banner year for films made by women. Um, She had this to say about, you know, her theory that, you know, Academy members probably don't see all the films they vote for to basically, um, you know, qualify or I guess uh, create who's the, the listing of who the Oscar noms are going to be, uh, who the nominees are. So she had this to say, uh, quote, I don't think you can watch those films and not think they deserve recognition. Uh, and then she went on to say, I think they need to be watched. I wonder if the system works in terms of getting sent a hundred screeners. Maybe you shouldn't be allowed to vote unless you can prove you've seen every single one. There should, there should at least be a test, uh, that films, that did get left out are out. Uh, I'm sorry. 
the films that did get left out are indisputably brilliant. So, you know, I think uh, she was kind of like hinting at Little Women and, and all these other films that came out that uh, were directed by, you know, female directors uh, that, you know, they obviously didn't make the cut. So, you know, she's, def- she's definitely not disputing that the nominees that were nominated for Best Director this year for like drama and, you know, or, or just Best Director in general – uh, that those films weren't good, but it's just like, well, you know, these are kind of like a carryover list from other award shows like the Golden Globes. And, right. And so I, I totally understand where she's coming from. Um, and I, I, you know, I, there's definitely been years where I've watched the Oscars and was pulling for Chris Nolan and he didn't get it. And in some weird, you know, enchanted film from France where it's all in subtitles and it's just because it's black and white and, you know, it, and it's like, hey, you leave my enchanted film alone. <laughs> yeah. And it was NC 17. Uh, You're damn right. It was, <laughs> he said it his creepiest voice possible. That was the only thing that held your attention, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. So, you know, you know, I, I totally get where she's coming from. I think you agree with this too, right? Yeah, I, I mean, so I'm. I, I like the whole you know meritocracy idea. Like I like you know I, I don't mind people voting for themselves and that kind of thing or voting for each other. Like that's all fine. Um, you know, in a perfect world, I would like everybody to see every screener, and I would like everyone to win on their own merits. That's the whole point, right? Um, I don't look at this and say that. Uh, just like she did. I don't look at this and be like, the system's corrupt. It needs to be torn down. You know, that kind of thing. I, I think it's just pretty obvious. Like there are failings, you know, like sure. they, you know, how many, how many hours do you have uh, to watch all the screeners? Now I know that some are sent more than others, I believe, mm-hmm. but uh, there's also different ways to get them. Like, uh, you can get screeners, I think, via download from a system. And I think you can actually get now, obviously, thanks to internet being blistering fast. But then uh, the old older way um, was to get the discs sent to you, which, I mean, if they're, I know it's an exaggeration, 100 screeners, but my God, could you imagine having all of those DVDs <laughs> delivered to your, uh, that That's would be a full-time like, job. A, a, this is like a freaking chest, man. Yeah. And, uh, like, I think that's funny, but like, think about when everything was like 90 minute run times and it came in VHS. Yeah. Like that's the chest I want delivered to my door. <laughs> you got to get a freaking dolly to pull that thing in. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, like, seriously, I, I believe that everybody should win on their own merits. And that's, and that's what this, I mean, frankly, I think that's what this, uh, world should be based on. Right. And I, but I also, we're looking at equal opportunity, not equal outcome. And, you know, the best people who performed, you know, get the nom or get the nominee and, and get the, the reward or get the award. And then there are definite shortcomings there, including the number of spots that they can actually have in there. They expanded it. Oh, yeah. Not long ago. Because, yeah. I mean, people are like, oh, they got robbed. It's like, yeah, I mean, there's a failing of, you know, the way that it's done, obviously that is a systematic thing that can be repaired. Um, but a lot of this, you know, not being able to see every screener and stuff like that. Um, I feel like humanity is getting in the way of 
them being able to do that. Cause I know if I had a stack of uh, DVDs sent to my front door, uh, it would be freaking awesome, but it would also be outrageous. So I would, I would like to, I mean like time-wise. So the spectacle of the VHS or Betamax would be a lot better for me. Laser um, disc. Laser disc maybe. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, I understand what she's saying. And I actually, because this is a private organization that is putting this on, right? I don't see a problem with them instituting a test to see if people watched it, right? Uh, Because this is not necessarily like a civic duty or something like that. So if they wanted to create that kind of thing, like, I'm not like advocating for like someone to come in out of nowhere and create a poll tax or something. I mean, I'm talking about a private organization that has created the rules around its own stuff. And this seems like a way to get people who are actually involved in that world to prove that they have actually seen it. I'm not talking about like a, you know, 400 page test that you have to study hours for. You know, and it's not even a book report, you know, I mean, it's got to be pretty rudimentary, but I mean, there's nothing to really stop people from cheating on it either. You know, I mean, no one's going to show up to a single room for a Scantron. You know, there's, I mean, I could Wikipedia all of these damn movies and probably get away with it. I'm so glad I don't have to do anything with the Scantron ever again. Oh, did you just ever, I mean, I I, I hated that in college. I hated that. Scantrons are really good if you want to like dot matrix your own words in like if you just wanted to write send, give something to your teacher or professor that just had dicks written across <laughs> it right so um i i know i know we don't have many young like super young listeners that are still in high school but uh if we do uh make sure i'm telling you this as someone who really wants to look out for your future uh, make sure that you do that. Make sure that you write dicks into a Scantron and hand it directly to your teacher. Uh, because boy, will her face be red or his face be red or whatever's face be red. Hmm. So, Sounds like yeah. another Sambino story. Oh boy. Have I, I've, <laughs> I've got Sambino stories, but I got to get like, like written permission to tell. Sure. Yeah. So, just yeah. like he has for me. So <clears throat> totally understood. Uh, but yeah, I think, I mean, I, I, I'm not out to, to clearly offend people or to put my politics on display. I, I don't mind the testing, obviously, because it is a private organization, but they'd mm-hmm. have to agree on that. And uh, and even then, they would have to face quite a bit of backlash. And I'm also focusing on the testing aspect as opposed to just watch the freaking movies. Yeah, uh, I, I like the idea where you're watching it via some secure online, like Citrix type of thing that, you know, it, it, it captures that you have viewed it um, and you have to yeah. watch till the end credits and you can't fast forward. So, yeah, I think that would be good. Um, but, yeah, like you mentioned, at the same time, they have expanded the amount of nominees. Um, I know for like Best Picture, it used to be something like four or five and now it's ten. So, you know, they've tried. It's just I think at the same time, it's 
uh, it, it just kind of feels like the the quality of, of film has definitely stepped its game up compared to say like 20 years ago or 30 years ago. Uh, but it's going to be interesting because, you know, obviously with, we're talking about with the hall of fame, uh, you know, inductees and how that was definitely varied. Uh, you had some members that I think a lot of people weren't surprised. You had some that were kind of surprised that they got shows over others. So I think as more years go by, you'll see some more surprises in terms of, you know, and there's always a snub. There's always some sort of nominee snub so oh yeah unless you unless you nominate everybody you're always going to leave someone out yeah so it's always going to be a very uh controversial topic but yeah uh one thing that i don't think isn't going to be controversial um, maybe it will i don't know but i think we'll all be looking forward to this is uh lethal lethal weapon 5 has been confirmed um it's going to be called lethal weapon 5 colon (laughs) everybody's too old for this shit yeah yeah you're welcome but um bum Lethal no. Weapon 5, colon inspection. Colon, oh, yeah. Oh, co- <laughs> lethal Weapon 5, colonoscopy Colon- from hell. <laughs> colonoscopy from hell. <laughs> lethal colonoscopy. Okay, now, honestly, that's that's just like a B-rated horror movie that I would probably watch. Yeah, that, yeah. that's uh, John Carpenter's next film. Oh, dude. Yeah. John John Carpenter's body horror film or, in the uh, 20s. <laughs> Or Cronenberg, that would work too. Cronenberg, yeah. lethal colonoscopy. <laughs> no, he's not leaving a lot to the imagination. This is not a title like The Fly. No. So, okay, keep going. I'm sorry. So, yeah, I'm way <laughs> off track. So, yeah, the producer, Dan Lin, who's been part of a lot of these films, uh, basically said on a recent podcast, I believe with Gilbert Gottfried, who knew that he had a podcast, but I definitely need to listen to that now because he's got an amazing voice. Who knew uh, that the parrot from Aladdin had a podcast? Did you know that? <laughs> I did not, yeah. but now I know. So he basically, uh, Dan Lin stated that, you know, they're trying to make the last Lethal Weapon movie, um, but they've confirmed that uh, they do have an excellent script, that uh, Richard Donner is coming back to direct. Uh, the original cast is all coming back. So that's Mel Gibson, Danny Glover, uh, I believe Renee Russo. They didn't really mention her, but she's definitely part of the original cast. I would highly doubt that Joe Pesci would come back. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think this is the movie that draws him back <laughs> after The Irishman. I mean, that, that was not a resurrection, per se, of his career, if he doesn't want it to be. Yeah, uh, I, I don't I don't see him coming back. Um, but, yeah, uh, they're basically just saying that, you know, it's amazing what they've created. The story's very, uh, you know, personal, uh, and that Mel and Danny are ready to go, and that this is all about you know just putting the final touches on the script. They did not state who wrote the script, but you know you and I were kind of talking on this uh, before we recorded, and I, I you know there's got to be a way that Shane Black is part of this at some point. You know he's uh, just I would hope so. Shane Black wrote all the other Lethal Weapon films, so it only makes sense, and you know. Shane's the best when it comes to writing. So yeah, yeah, he definitely has his own flair. Like you can absolutely sniff out a good, uh, a good Shane Black film. And and as far as I mean, revisiting some of his what I assume would be favorite characters, but I'm not going to put words in his mouth. They're certainly like the public's favorite characters. I mean, Riggs and Murtaugh mm-hmm. are are amazing as far as uh, a buddy cop duo goes. So uh, I I mean I love the last one. Uh, I love the, you know, interaction between them and Jet Li. I even like the really stupid beginning that always gets crap. The the flamethrower with the guy like playing fire, you know, on the on the radio, and 
setting crap and it's just like you know oh you know what are we gonna do rigs you know that kind of crap yeah, so yeah. That, whatever dude but it was uh it was overall it was way better than the third one i'll say that um and and i actually enjoyed the third one but the first two are are still the my favorites oh yeah no doubt um you know that those films are are so great especially the first one just how it starts and just how dark it is like it's real dark with the you know the the female that that jumps out the window or she or was yeah. she pushed out you know there's all sorts of things going on they're doing this investigation and you know the fourth one came out in 1998 it's been a while it's um, been a while and of course you know Mel, Mel Gibson's kind of like got himself in some hot water uh, you know, did it to himself, but he's been kind of doing this sort of, you know, he's been doing a lot of films over the last few years, like, you know, dragged across, across concrete and uh, a few others. And, you know, he's trying to r- redeem himself, but I think we've all seen that, you know, a- as time goes on, eventually people kind of come back in their graces and, you know, are able to kind of do their last hurrah going into the sunset. Uh, and I think everybody loved the dynamic between Riggs and Murtaugh, you know, with Mel Gibson, and Danny Glover, and they just have so much amazing chemistry. So I'm sure there's going to be those naysayers and people that want to bring up the controversy and all that stuff. But, you know, that's that's to be a given. But I, I think this will this will be a pretty fun ride. Yeah, I think it'll be a great time. I'm not, I'm not worried about this in the least, especially if we bring back Shane Black. Uh, I mean, that's I think we're both in agreement there. Yep. So uh, this next one is is pretty near and dear to my heart, and then we'll we'll close this thing down. But I have to bring this up that uh, they're actually talking about remaking the thing again, again, <laughs> again. Um, now for the fourth time, uh, I guess the last one you brought up that, uh, that actually had, uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead and Joel Egerton in it, they were, they were doing a prequel yeah. kind of thing. <clears throat> a prequel to John Carpenter's, uh, 82 classic, I think it came out in 82. Yeah, I think it was 82 or 83. It was, it was early, early. Yeah. And, so this would uh, yeah. technically be the third remake of the story, the thing. Right. And so I guess the thing that everybody's kind of thinking is going to set this one apart um, and it's going to have to be set apart because I maintain that the last John Carpenter one was maybe John Carpenter's best film, if not one of his top two. Oh, great. Uh, obviously, in the mouth of madness, you, we talked about that. But um, so the big thing that sets this apart, supposedly, um, Bloomhouse is or is it Blumhouse? I always screw that up. Um, Bloomhouse is 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 going to create this new remake. And the idea is that the original novel that was created or or this was created around was John W. Campbell's uh, who goes there. Right. Which that, that all sounds fine. Apparently that was actually kind of an abridged cut down version of an original manuscript that was called frozen hell. Um, That sounds bitching. And I think they should just call it that anyway. But, uh, you know, I, it's funny because they made a big deal, and they always do, right? When it's like the discovered footage kind of thing, the discovered, uh, you know, discovered story. I mean, that's kind of a cool thing behind it. It gets me interested in it. Yeah. You know, and, but now you got to talk about the execution. Like, who are you going to line up for this kind of movie? Because how do you really top the kind of Kurt Russell dynamic that was in 
the first remake. I, I know I like I put way too much romanticism on this movie. I fully, <laughs> fully admit that. Um, you know, oh, how do you beat a you know a, you know something from Kurt Russell where he's just like old and crusty with a beard and he doesn't say more than four words. I, I, I still think that the actual movie was shot in a way that it kept my, my the tension up higher than any movie I've seen in in a long time. Right. Yep. There are obviously some that are out there that we discussed, but uh, that that was the first one that really did that to me, even more so than Alien. Um, so uh, I guess it's such it's such an early formative phase there the, with the company and, and the people who are involved here. Uh, they're literally not going to have a problem getting it made. Uh, it will get made. I don't know for what budget. I don't know who will be attached to it. I don't know who's going to write it. Uh, but I, I do believe that it's pretty much a fast track deal. Like there's no way. I mean, the, if, if this company, if Bloomhouse has got the rights to the thing, uh, that's a moneymaker in a second. Yeah. Well, you know, in, in Bloomhouse, they did the, the latest, uh, iteration of Halloween, uh, right. where it was basically Halloween fast forward so many years later after the very first one, Jamie Lee Curtis, which was great, actually went with J Mac, did a review on this podcast way back, seems like a long time ago now. And now they're they're filming the next uh Halloween movie after that. That's uh right. they're filming that right now, it's in production. And the fact that Bloomhouse was able to do that, I mean, they've they've done a lot over the last decade alone. I think starting in like oh eight, yeah. probably two thousand eight, two thousand nine is when I really started you know, they were getting on my radar because I started seeing more of their uh, films. And a lot of them were like, you know, straight to Blu-ray DVD back then. But uh, renting those and then seeing a lot of their films in theater. I mean, they definitely kind of have that that quality that you would, you know, associate with horror films. Maybe not all the horror films are the best, but with what they did with uh, Halloween. And of course, you know, that was that was definitely pitched with John Carpenter's Blessing. Um, but with, you know, that director and, uh, you know, what's his name, uh, Eastbound and Down, uh, <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> helped kind of co-write it. Um, right. you know, they, they did an amazing job. So, uh, I think taking an adaptation like this is, is going to be really awesome. I and mean, we saw a really amazing adaptation horror movie last, uh, year with Dr. Sleep. Uh, mm-hmm. so I think, I think horror is really making a, a really smart comeback, um, and we're about to get some really awesome horror films coming out. Uh, as far as remaking the thing again, it, I, you know, I, I wasn't really impressed with even the, you know, the proposed pe- prequel that Mary Elizabeth Winstead was in, but she did a good job in it and it was decent, but you know, if they were good to remake it, I would definitely want them to do it like this and have it more based on, you know, the book, or even the short story that inspired, you know, I've never read who goes there, but I've heard that, you know, a lot of things that were taken from the original manuscript, the frozen hell, uh, there's a lot of stuff to explore there. And as far as who's going to direct it, I mean, Bloomhouse could really get anybody, but I don't think they're going to go like that high in terms of uh, high dollar director, but they'll probably choose somebody. I would have to guess from like, the conjuring series or somebody that, that's done an effective job. Uh, I would like to see the guy who directed lights out. 
Um, yeah. You know, the guy who, who created that and he's, he's going on now and kind of like what Orrin Pelly did with, um, uh, what do you call it? The, the paranormal activity films, right. You know, he directed the very first one and, and it was very cheaply made. And now he's this, you know, executive producer. Now, a lot of those films that he's producing, you know, the quality of them, that's a whole other story. Suspect. But yeah, they're suspect, but that's kind of what this guy has been doing. Um, you know, the guy that did lights out, I'd like to see him do something like that and get into like maybe some sci-fi horror, you know, but there's so many, you know, fabulous, uh, talented directors out there. Absolutely. I mean, I, and there's, this is the decade of taking risks on directors. I think I, I've really, I've, I've got that feeling that um, we've seen it a lot, even since like the 2010s, right. That people were really uh, not afraid to look at like base, basically like indie movies and small budget films as their farm system, which they often did, but they never threw I don't think I'll probably be proven wrong by some of our viewers or I'm sorry, of our listeners, but um, I don't think they ever really threw the kind of money at, at small, small budget directors that they do now um, because they, the studio just believes in them. And, and that's good. I mean, it's a good thing. I mean, we're getting a lot of fresh takes on some, some old properties and a lot of fresh takes on some new material. So I'm excited for the reasons I've said, but I'm also happy with the group that has got control of it um I, i'd like to believe that they have the capability to knock this out of the park and if they had uh john carpenter as actually some kind of producer on this i think that would be pretty important the thing i liked about the or one of the many things i liked about the john carpenter movie was it seemed to catch it seemed to get his tone like his tone of, of direction and move its storytelling and apply it in a way that was very effective for that story. Right. So uh, it was kind of like one of those things where a lot of things converged and his, his storytelling and the way that he does his music and the way that he does his, you know, tonality during the film, it doesn't mesh with everything. It doesn't. I mean, like they live was a super fun movie, but it was not his masterpiece. Right. 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 And, uh, when you mix in what he's capable of with the tone of this movie, the great, great setup for everything, every shot, every, every moment, uh, it keeps the heart pounding the whole time. The practical effects of that time are key to making that such an important movie. Um, I have no idea if they're going to go with that direction this time or not. And, and I think that, you know, computers touch everything in film these days. So to ask that that not is a fool's errand, but I would say that it would be nice to have th that level of uh, visceral horror that comes from a practical effect, right. And, and good, good camera work, right. To, to bring that back, because I think that's kind of the trademark honestly. Yeah. I mean, I agree. It wasn't all jump scares. It was, it was the fact that it just, it really got under your skin. It was the kind of thing that you can discern that from reality. And mm -hmm. that's, that's a big deal. Yep. So. Absolutely, man. Well, we'll, uh, we'll definitely be tracking that story as well as all the other ones we've talked about. 
you know, I think uh, kind of like we talked about on our last show this this uh, year ahead of us, as well as the following year, there's going to be some amazing films coming out. But I'm really looking forward to this decade. I think it's going to be, you know, cinematically, the last decade, I think, was one of the best that has ever been. Uh, and I think this decade, I think we're going to have a lot more, you know, originality. We're going to have some amazing directors come up, uh, you know, just like last decade produced Denny Villeneuve and, you know, who's still, you know, climbing up to the top of the summit. So it's going to be a real interesting, uh, years ahead, but this, uh, yeah, but I, I'm just, I'm just excited in general. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, well, we definitely had a fun talk tonight, Carl, and we're out of time, unfortunately, but want to thank all of our listeners out there for, uh, your continued uh, patronage and listening to us and subscribing. Uh, definitely feel free to follow us on the interwebs. That'll be on Instagram and Twitter. You'll find us at Sensibly Loud. On Facebook, it's Sensibly Loud Media. Uh, but Carl, thank you very much. And for everybody thank out you. there, definitely check us out on next week's episode of Sensibly Loud Radio.